أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ربي اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحلل أقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. And also watch them as videos uh, on YouTube at the channel Reflections RN. Uh, both the audio and video versions of the recordings can be accessed at the website www.reflections-rn.org um, Today, inshallah, we will continue reading the 21st word and to um, access the text uh, that we will be reading and reflecting upon, inshallah, you can go to this website once again www.reflections-rn.org uh, and in there you can go to podcasts, then words, then the 21st word, and scroll down to the relevant section. <clears throat> the 21st word is about um, protecting ourselves from some of the tricks, ruses, attacks of Satan. It has two um, stations. We are reading the second station. And the second station is about uh, obsessive thoughts, satanic whisperings, thoughts that come to our hearts and that put us in a state of doubt. Uh, and especially if it is with regard to uh, the good deeds that we do and we want to do and we are aspiring to do in the best possible way, mashallah. Satan, you know, figures out a way to put this doubt in our hearts and we start to, you know, think, did I do that right? Was it actually, you know, um, according to the rulings, relevant rulings, and so on and so forth, while thinking about, <clears throat> while thinking about this doubt, we forget the actual deed. We lose focus. We lose our ikhlas. That we are, you know, we lose the ikhlas of doing it for uh, God's sake alone, right? Doing it only and only because God commanded us to do and only and only uh, expecting his contentment in the end so these these are dangerous thoughts uh, they can distract us and detract us and therefore we want to be aware of them and as uh, Ustad Nursi uh, told us at the beginning of this uh, station in order to deal with them, we need to, we need to know um, their quiddity. We need to know how they function. If you understand how they function, will be good because then it is easy to um, avoid them. And the gist of this, 
the, uh, the, the, the you know, upshot of everything we are reading here is to deal with these thoughts, obsessive thoughts, don't deal with them, right? The best way to deal with these thoughts is to ignore them, to, to uh, turn away uh, from them, not to put too much thought into them. And the analogy that we have been making is, uh, you know, as though it's like if, if the door is knocking and you go and open the door and there's somebody there, you'll feel like you have to talk with them. So don't open the door. Or if the phone rings and you take the phone, uh, you know, you say hello and then the other part says hello. They say, how are you? You say, I'm good. And the conversation has started and it may be difficult to get out of that conversation. So the best way to deal with this is to not pick up the phone, not open the door. We read three aspects of these thoughts these obsessive thoughts and inshallah today we will continue with the fourth aspect so bismillah <clears throat> fourth aspect amelin en iyi suretini tahariden neşet eden bir vesvesedir ki takva zannıyla teşeddüt ettikçe hal ona şiddetlenir hatta bir dereceye varır ki o adam amelin daha evlasını ararken harama düşer bazen bir sünnetin araması bir vacibi terk ettiriyor Acaba amelim sahih oldu mu der, iade eder. Bu hal devam eder, gayet yese düşer, şeytan bu halinden istifade eder, onu yaralar. Şu yaranın iki merhemi var. This is an obsessive thought that originates from searching for the best form of deeds. As it increases in intensity with the presumption of God consciousness, one's obsessive state becomes more intense too. It reaches such a degree that this person stumbles into the domain of the prohibited while seeking better, better deeds. Sometimes, seeking a sunnah causes one to abandon what is obligatory. One asks, I wonder if my deed was sound, and does it again. This state continues and he falls into utmost despair. Satan takes advantage of this state and wounds him. This wound has two selves. So before we move on to the south, inshallah, let's try to understand this paragraph a little better. This is an obsessive thought. We are, uh, we are looking into kinds of obsessive thoughts. So the fourth one, this is an obsessive thought that originates from searching for the best form of deeds. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? Right? We want to do the best. We want to do our utmost to please our Lord. Right? Well, there's nothing wrong with that as long as that aspiration does not overcome us and it can overcome us and one of the ways it overcomes us is through these obsessive thoughts you know they say satan sometimes approaches from the right this is one of those instances satan sometimes approaches from the right as it increases as that uh, search for the best form of deeds increases in intensity with the presumption of God consciousness. So the person thinks that this is God consciousness. This is taqwa, right? Searching for the best deed. The person thinks that this is taqwa, but we will understand why it is not necessarily taqwa. You know, taqwa is something more subtle than that. Because we are seeking the form. We are seeking the form. Best form, right? So as this search increases in intensity with the presumption of God consciousness, one's obsessive state becomes more intense too. 
one becomes more intense, like more in intensely obsessive. You know, I want to do it the, the best way, right? I want to, uh, you know, stand right facing the qubla. I want to raise my hands right at the exact right time. I want to say Allahu Akbar with the perfect tajweed rules of recitation and on and on and on. But you lose focus. You start to focus on the form of these things instead of focusing on your presence before God. It reaches such a degree that this person stumbles into the domain of the prohibited while seeking better deeds. If you want to do everything exactly right, you will never be you know, perfectly sure that you have done it exactly right. So you'll find yourself in trouble as a result. Sometimes seeking a sunnah causes one to abandon what is obligatory. Right? I mean, it doesn't always happen, but sometimes it can happen. While thinking about you, whether you have done the sunnah you know, in the exact right way or not in prayer, you may actually forget one of the rak'as and you know, pray if it's Lord prayer, which is four rak'as, right, four cycles. You may pray three rak'as and be happy that you have done the sunnah part of the prayer exactly right, but you know, it is a four rak'ah, four cycle prayer, and you missed one of the cycles. One asks, so, you know, in this state, when you one falls into this state and obsessively thinking about the best form, right? One asks, "I wonder if my deed was sound. I did if it fit the, uh, the the form that is supposed to be." And then he wonders, and then cannot be sure. So he says, "Okay, to be sure, let me do it again." This state continues. Right? I cannot be sure, let me do it again, does it again, and then I cannot be sure, let me do it again, and does it again, and cannot be sure, and do it. This keeps going on. This state continues, and he falls into utmost despair, and says, okay, I cannot do it. Satan takes advantage of the state and wounds him. Right? This, the despair is a wound. Despair is a wound. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله Right? There is no power to affect good or to fend off evil other than God. So God is the power. God is what makes things possible and God is what makes things impossible. So if God is in charge, how can you have despair? Right? It is worse than, much worse than um, not being able to do things in the best form. So, a situation like this has two um, selves. The first one, birinci merha. Bu gibi vesvese ehli itizale layıktır. Çünkü onlar derler, medarı teklif olan efal ve eşya kendi zatında ahiret itibarıyla ya hüsnü var, sonra o hüsne binaen emredilmiş veya kubhu var, sonra ona binaen nehyedilmiş. Demek eşyada ahiret ve hakikat noktayı nazarında olan hüsn ve kubuh zatidir. Emir ve nehi ilahi ona tabidir. Bu mezhebe göre insan her işlediği amelde şöyle bir vesvese gelir. Acaba amelim nefsül emirdeki güzel surette yapılmış mıdır? First off, obsessive thoughts like this become the people become the people of Etizal, the Motezilites. 
for they say, the acts and things that become subject to accountability either have a beauty in their entity regarding the hereafter and have been commanded because of that beauty, or likewise they have an ugliness and have been prohibited because of that. That means the beauty and ugliness that exist in things with regard to the hereafter and reality are entitative. The divine command and prohibition follow them. According to this madhab, an obsessive thought like the following arises in every deed a person performs. I wonder if my deed is performed in the beautiful form that exists in external reality. Okay. Obsessive thoughts like the like this become the people of Iatezal. That is, you know, the, the Mu'tazilas. This is a uh, legal, not, not legal, a theological school, a school in uh, Kalam, although Kalam, Kalam begins with the, the science of Kalam begins with the Mu'tazilites to a large extent. So, uh, and it is one of the early um, theological schools, and it is not a part of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. It is not a Sunni school. Sunni uh, understanding of things evolved after the Mu'tazilites, and to some extent, it, in response to the Mu'tazilites. So, this would become that. This would be a thought that you would expect from them. For they say, because, why? Because they say, the acts and things that become subject to accountability, i.e. acts and things that are either uh, obligated or prohibited, or uh, sunnah and so on and so forth, acts and things that become subject to accountability, either have a beauty in their entity, in and of themselves. They have a beauty out there in in reality, outside the mind, in extramental reality, right? They have a beauty in their entity regarding the hereafter and have been commanded because of that beauty. Or likewise, they have an ugliness and have been prohibited because of that. That means the beauty and ugliness that exist in things with regard to the hereafter and reality are entitative. It belongs to them. It is in and of themselves. It is in them. The divine command and prohibition follow them. That is, there is an ugliness, and because there is an ugliness in there, God, uh, in a sense, conforms to it and follows what it entails and therefore prohibits it. Or there is something good in and of itself out there, and God conforms to that, and because of that good, um, makes it obligatory. Th this is what the, of course, in a caricaturized way, but this is what the Mu'tazilites would say. Okay. According to this method, an obsessive thought like the following arises in every deed a person performs. Now, if you assume that to be the case, that there is goodness and ugliness are in things entitatively, right? If you assume that to be the case, that leads to a question like this. I wonder if my deed is performed in the beautiful form that exists in external reality, right? Again, there's a form out there and the way for our prayer or fasting or Hajj or any good deed to be uh, sound, right? It needs to conform to that beauty that exists out there. Now, if this is the assumption, a person, of course, will ask, right, I mean, did I do it that way? Was I able to do it the way that external beauty uh, 
in accordance with that external beauty right so this is a problematic uh, position because it leads i mean not only because because it is not the truth that's first in first and foremost right the uh, according to our Sunni understanding now, we do not follow this line of thinking. Um, you know, there are this, there are uh, differences of opinion between the Ash'ari and Maturudi uh, schools of Kalam, schools of theology, uh, which are both uh, Sunni uh, schools of theology, and there are differences of opinion between the two in, with regard to this. But, uh, and, and they usually say that the Maturudiya is closer to uh, the position that the, the, the Mu'tazilites had, but the Maturidi position is not this, is not this Mu'tazilite um, yeah, position. The Maturidi position would be uh, the, the good and the bad uh, can be grasped by the intellect, uh, but ultimately the source of uh, the good and the bad is, is God, because he is the one who creates good as good and bad as bad. Right. Anyway, uh, Ustad Nursi, follows more more uh, strictly or straightforward the Ash'ari position and once again both of these positions are valid both of them are uh, acceptable from a Sunni point of view right and the Mu'tazili position is is is at a further extreme it is not what we follow any longer it and there used to be a time when some people thought that this might be the uh, the truth but we now have come to an understanding and this is an understanding of the consensus of the uh, of the community of believers and the consensus of the community of believers would be far from erring mistake right so now the, the our understanding is that this is not the case so what is the case we will see what the case is inshallah now amma mesebi hak olan ehli sünnet ve cemaat derler ki cenabı hak bir şeye emreder, sonra hasen olur. Nehyeder, sonra kabih olur. Demek emirle güzellik, nehyle çirkinlik tahakkuk eder. Hüsn ve kubuh, mükellefin ıttılağına bakar ve ona göre takarrur eder. Şu hüsn ve kubuh ise, suri ve dünyaya bakan yüzünde değil, belki ahirete bakan yüzündedir. Mesela sen namaz kıldın veya abdest aldın. Halbuki namazını ve abdestini fesada verecek bir sebep nefsül emirde varmış. Lakin sen ona hiç muttali olmadın. Senin namazın ve abdestin hem sahihtir hem hasendir. Mutezile der, hakikatte kabih ve fasittir. Lakin senden kabul edilir. Çünkü cehlin var. Bilmedin ve özrün var. Öyleyse ehli sünnet mezhebine göre zahir şeriata muvafık olan işlediğin ameline acaba sahih olmuş mu deyip vesvese etme fakat kabul olmuş mu de gururlanma, ucbe girme. Yet the people of the Sunnah and the community, the Sunni position, which is the true madhab, say, the sublime real commands something and after this it becomes beautiful. He prohibits and after this it becomes ugly. In that case, beauty becomes real through command and ugliness through prohibition. Beauty and ugliness concern the awareness of the accountable person and are accordingly decided. This beauty and ugliness are not on the formal face of a thing that faces the world, but on the face that looks to the hereafter. For example, let's say you performed a prayer or took ablution. However, there was a cause in external reality that would spoil your prayer or ablution, even though you never became aware of it. Your prayer and ablution would still be sound and beautiful. 
The Mu'taz lights say, it is ugly and spoiled in reality, but it is accepted from you, for you are ignorant and did not know. In that case, follow the madhab of the people of the Sunnah and do not enter into obsessive thoughts saying, I wonder if this was sound. About the deeds that you have performed according to the external form required by the Sharia. Instead say, is it accepted? Do not become vainglorious. Do not fall into vanity. Okay. Yet the people of the Sunnah and the community, which is the true method, uh, true both legal school and theological school, uh, say, they say, the sublime real God commands something and after this it becomes beautiful. He prohibits and after this it becomes ugly. So the source of beauty and ugliness is God's command. It is not something that exists out there without or be before God's intervention into the situation. God created everything. And He created things that He wanted to be beautiful as be beautiful. He commanded them to be beautiful. And He created things that He wanted to be ugly as ugly. He commanded them to be ugly. The Ash'aris would say, this is not, in, you know, um, this, this cannot be grasped by the intellect. You have to hear it from God. And the Maturidis say, no, it can be grasped by the intellect. But in both cases, they acknowledge the source of goodness or um, ugliness or beauty and ugliness as God's command. They do not imagine, uh, conceptualize, assume the existence of uh, an external reality out there um, that has its own inner workings in which God cannot intervene. Right? We, we attribute good or bad to God. So, in that case, beauty becomes real through command and ugliness through prohibition. Beauty and ugliness concern the awareness of the accountable person and are accordingly decided. Like a, a beauty or an ugliness that's coming from this person, an accountable person, that is a person who is accountable before uh, God uh, for, his, for what he does and he does not do. Uh, has reached the legal age of accountability, has intellect. So, um, the, the beauty and ugliness concern the awareness of this person, i.e., the person is uh, sleeping and in his sleep he does something that would not be considered, um, that would be considered ugly. But is it ugly? For this person, no, because he's doing it without awareness, right? He is doing it without awareness. So good to be good and ugliness to be ugly, ugliness, uh, we, the, the awareness of the person has to be involved. That's how God has commanded. That's how he has held us accountable. This beauty and ugliness are not on the formal face of a thing that faces the world. I, it is not about the uh, form according to which you perform. Right? But rather, it is on the face that looks to the hereafter, i.e., what have you acquired from it for the hereafter. Right? We do things, but what we acquire from what we do depends on our intention, our awareness, and God's contentment with what we do. We may do something that's uh, that, that, that leads to 
horrible consequences, I mean, theoretically speaking, that may lead to horrible consequences, but we do not intend it, we are not even aware of it, and God can uh, be content with us because of our intention, and we may do something that leads to um, really beautiful consequences, uh, but we it happens accidentally. We do not intend it. We are not aware of it. It is not within our realm, right? Therefore, it does not have anything to do. It does not have a corresponding reality in our personal realm, and therefore, we do not. It does not lead to God's contentment. This beauty and ugliness are not on the formal face of a thing that faces the world, but on the face that looks to the hereafter, that looks to God's contentment. It is about what we acquire from what we do. For example, let's say you performed a prayer or took ablution. However, there was a cause in external reality that would spoil your prayer or ablution even though you never became aware of it. You are taking ablution and there are rules uh, for, the, for the ability of that water to provide ritual purity to you. It has to be clean. Uh, but without you being aware of it, there was some impurity that mixed into the water, but you are not aware of it. You took your ablution for, uh, with it. Right? So I'm going to say, well, whether you are aware of it or not, the ablution is invalid because there was impurity in the water. Or are we going to say, well, you are accountable for what you know. Accountability relates to uh, your awareness. And therefore, since you were not aware of this and you did your best in order to find the pure water, it's fine. Your, uh, your, your uh, ablution is uh, acceptable. We don't say accepted. That's up to God. But it is acceptable. Um, yeah, so there was an external reality that would spoil your prayer or ablution even though you never became aware of it. Your prayer and ablution would still be sound and beautiful. The Motes lights would say, it is ugly and spoiled in reality, but it is accepted from you for you are ignorant and did not know. So the difference is subtle, but it is, in, it is uh, consequential from the point of view of what we believe in and what we attribute to God and you know what's out, other than God. In that case, follow the madhab, the school, of the people of the Sunnah and do not enter into obsessive thoughts saying, I wonder if this was sound about the deeds that you have performed according to the external form required by the Sharia. The Sharia requires your prayer to be four cycles, four rakas. As long as you pray it for rakas. The Sharia requires you to recite Al-Fatiha uh, in each cycle and then uh, you, so on and so forth. Say Allahu Akbar here, say Subhanallah there. To sit, to stand, to go, uh, to bow down, right? So these are the things that the Sharia requires you to do. As long as you do these, right, whether it was perfect or not, whether there was something that uh, came in the way that would that that would invalidate your prayer if you were aware of it, that is not your concern. As you know, when you pray, you have to be on a clean surface. You have to be standing and going to prostration on a clean place. And you are praying on a prayer rug. Turns out that the prayer rug is not clean. It has some kind of impurity that would invalidate the prayer. But it doesn't smell. It doesn't show. You, it, it, it has lots of colors perhaps. Therefore, you cannot notice it. You do not notice. You are not aware of it. You're fine. 
So don't say, I wonder if this was sound, as long as it uh, it, it, it, uh, it is performed according to the external form required by the Sharia, you're fine. But, but, you know, it's, it's not like, it, it, that's not the end of it. Don't say, okay, I'm done, I'm, you know, my prayer is accepted, I'm good. Don't say that either. Instead, say, is it accepted? Did God accept this from me? Was my intention pure? God does not have to accept anything from you. Prayer is your obligation and God does not have to accept your performance of fulfilling that obligation in the way that you did. Even if it is in accordance with the, uh, with the external rulings of the Sharia and so on and so forth. Right? Because um, this obligation or this uh, debt that we owe to, to, to God is not something that we can pay back. If we were doing this in return for the blessings that we have received, we receive so many blessings that no matter how perfectly we pray our prayer, perform our prayers, we won't be able to pay it back. And since we will never be able to pay it back, we cannot say, I paid back. We cannot say it's accepted. We have to ask, is it accepted? Has my Lord accepted this from me? Right? And that is the proper state to be, that, that, that leads you to a state of humility before your Lord, which is how you are supposed to be because you are His slave. So do not become vainglorious. Do not fall into vanity. İkinci merhem. Dinde harec yoktur. La haraca fit din. Madem dört mezhep haktır, madem istifara müncer olan, Der ki kusur ise gurura müncer olan hüsnü amelin rüyetine böyle vesveseli adama müreccahtır. Yani böyle vesveseli adam amelini güzel görüp gurura düşmektense, amelini kusurlu görse istiğfar etse daha evladır. Second sal. There is no constriction in religion. La haraca fit din. Since the four methods are all true and since for such a person with obsessive thoughts, the perception of a shortcoming that leads to seeking forgiveness is preferable over seeking a deed to be beautiful, which leads to vainglory. Like seeing a deed to be beautiful, which leads to vainglory. That is, for a man with obsessive thoughts like this, seeing shortcomings in his deed and seeking forgiveness is better than seeing his deed to be beautiful and falling into vainglory. Right, so there is no constriction, there is no uh, haraj, there is no uh, making things difficult beyond uh, people's ability to perform them. Right? Religion is easy. The Prophet ﷺ told us to facilitate. Religion is easy as long as we don't make it difficult for ourselves. Since the four madhabs are all true, right? there are four Sunni madhabs. Hanafi, Shafi, Hanbali, Maliki. There are four legal schools in Islam. And the position of each legal school is that the position of the others is also um, acceptable. They say, you know, our position, our opinion is, uh, we, we, we believe that it is true, but there is a possibility that it may be wrong. And we also believe that their position is wrong, but there is a possibility that it may be true. But beyond this, 
they're all acceptable if you pray behind an imam who is Hanafi and you are Shafi'i as long as the imam as long as you do not see something on the imam that would uh, definitively invalidate your prayer according to Shafi'i school you're fine the way that imam prays is acceptable for you to to to follow that imam and and there might be tiny details here and there but the same for other schools if you are Hanafi and you are praying behind a Maliki Imam you're good right so the four methods or four legal schools are all true and since for a person with obsessive thoughts the perception of a shortcoming that leads to seeking forgiveness is preferable over seeing a deed to be beautiful and and you know because that leads to fame glory Subhanallah, this is a, a very important and very beautiful thing. You think that you did something good, and if you think that you, are, you did really good, and it is, you know, come on, you did it, best, the best thing, you know, it's, you are the best in town. The moment you think this, you are in vainglory, and that invalidates what you did. But you try to do something, and you were not able to perform it perfectly there are some deficiencies and defects here and there but you are aware of this defect and deficiency and you go before your lord in this state of humility and ask for forgiveness and ask him to accept it from you it's it may be accepted right it is much better much better than being in that state of vainglory. That is, for a man with obsessive thoughts like this, seeing shortcomings in his deed and seeking forgiveness is better than seeing his deed to be beautiful and falling into vainglory. Subhanallah. Madem böyledir, sen vesveseyi at. Şeytana de ki, şu hal bir harecdir. Hakikati hale muttali olmak güçtür. Dindeki yusre münafidir. Eddini yusrun la haraca din. Esasına muhaliftir. Elbette böyle amelin bir mezhebi hakka muhafı... Elbette böyle amelin bir mezhebi hakka muvafık gelir. O bana kafidir. Hem la akal ben aczimi itiraf ederek ibadeti layık-ı ile eda edemediğimden istiğfar ve tazaru ile merhameti ilahiyeye dehalet edip kusurum affolunmak, kusurlu amelim kabul olunmak için mütezellilane bir niyaza vesiledir. Since this is the case, throw away the obsessive thought, say to Satan, this state is a constriction, knowing the true state of reality is difficult, it contradicts the facility in religion. It is against the principle of yusrun, la Religion is facility. There is no constriction in religion. One way or another, my deed will conform to one of the true madhabs. That is sufficient for me. Moreover, at the very least, admitting my impotence and taking refuge in divine mercy by seeking forgiveness for not being able to fulfill the requirements of worship as due and by showing the direness of my condition is a means for me to besiege in a state of self-abasement for the acceptance of my defective deed 
since this is the case what is the case the case is that it is better for you to not see your deed as beautiful and and and, and um fall into the, to to vainglory right it is better for you to uh, know that there are defects and deficiencies in your uh, worship in your deed and be humble be in a state of humility before your lord rather than being in a state of vainglory since this is the case throw away the obsessive thought say to satan this state is a constitution what you are imposing on me oh satan what you are imposing on me by casting this doubt in my heart and making me think okay is it, it, it did, did my uh, act conform to the the beautiful form out there and so on and so forth that's constriction that makes religion unlivable this is a livable religion this is a religion that can be put into practice knowing the true state of reality is difficult so what what is what is the beautiful form that is out there in external reality did i do it did i not do it I'm not aware of everything that that that um, goes into uh, the fulfillment of this deed right as we gave the example of prayer like maybe there is something impure on the prayer rug that I don't know knowing the true state of reality reality as a whole right is difficult it contradicts like trying to know the the, the true state of reality right it contradicts the facility the principle of facility in religion. It is against the principle of yusrun, la Religion is facility. There is no constriction in religion. One way or another. Like there are four legal schools. They have differences of opinion. So there is some, um, so some room for uh, differences of opinion and also uh, performance. Right? One way or another, my deed will conform to one of the true madhabs, one of the true legal schools. That is sufficient for me. Maybe I didn't do it perfectly. Maybe I could have done slightly better here, slightly better there and so No, my deed, inshallah, conforms to one of the legal schools and that is sufficient for me. Moreover, at the very least, admitting, to, um, admitting my impotence, so even if, even if it did not conform to one of these okay this is a really subtle point i have to pray my prayer perform my prayer and i perform my prayer and perhaps it did not even um, meet the requirements of either of the four legal schools but even then at the le at the very least this is still better than being in a state of vainglory right at the very least admitting my impotence my eyes and taking refuge in divine mercy how by seeking forgiveness for not being able to fulfill the requirements of worship as due and who can do it who can fulfill the requirements of worship our essential duty is worship but who can say i have fulfilled it i have completed and they narrate that there was this man who was given 500 years of life and he spent 500 years years doing sajda at, at, in prostration, glorifying his Lord and so on and so forth. And then they asked him, so do you think you deserve Jannah? And he said, 
you know, you know, I have been prostrating for 500 years. I, I must have, right? So they say, okay, let's weigh. They weigh his blessings and they weigh his worship. And his worship was not the equivalent of the blessing of one eye. So who can say that they fulfill their, their duty of worship? No. By seeking forgiveness for not being able to fulfill the requirements of worship as due, and by showing the direness of my condition, right? I take refuge in divine mercy. This is a means for me to beseech, to, to supplicate, to raise my hands and ask for my Lord in a state of self-abasement for the acceptance of my defective deed. And that is the, the, the state that we want to be. Right? So that is the state that we want to be. And therefore, don't worry. Don't, don't occupy yourself with this obsessive thought. You'll be fine, inshallah, as long as you, you, you keep your heart in the right place. Vainglory is an act of the, the, the heart. And humility is an act of the heart. Your act may not have conformed to the perfect form of the deed, but if, if the act of your heart is uh, what it is supposed to be, that is humility, you are, you are good, or at least you are much better than uh, the other way around. Fifth aspect. So we, uh, we, we are looking at various forms of uh, various aspects of obsessive thoughts. And Ustad Nursi talks about five of them here. And this is the last one. Uh, it's a bit long. I'm not sure if we will be able to finish it, but we will try, inshallah. I'll try to go a bit faster than usual. Mesaili imaniyede şüphe suretinde gelen vesvesedir. Biçare vesveseli adam bazen tahayyülü taakkul ile iltibas eder. Yani hayale gelen bir şüpheyi akla girmiş bir şüphe tevehüm edip itikadına halal gelmiş zanneder. Hem bazen tevehüm ettiği bir şüpheyi imana zarar veren bir şek zanneder. Hem bazen tasavvur ettiği bir şüpheyi tasdiki akliye girmiş bir şüphe zanneder. Hem bazen bir emri küfride tefekkürü küfür zanneder. Yani dalaletin esbabını anlamak suretinde kuvve-i mütefekkir, müfekkirinin cevelanını ve tetkikatını ve bir tarafane muhakemesini hilaf-ı iman zanneder. İşte telkinat-ı şeytaniyenin eseri olan şu zanlardan ürkerek eyvah kalbim bozulmuş, itikadıma halal gelmiş der. O haller galiben ihtiyarsız olduğundan, cüz-i ihtiyarisiyle ıslah, ıslah edemediğinden yese düşer. Bu yaranın merhemi şudur ki these obsessive thoughts come that is the fifth uh, type of obsessive thoughts come in the form of doubt in matters of faith sometimes the helpless obsessive person confuses imagination with reasoning that is he supposes a doubt that enters the imagination to have entered the intellect and presumes his credence to be damaged also sometimes he presumes a supposed doubt to be dubiousness that is harmful to the faith also, sometimes he presumes a doubt that he conceptualizes to have entered among rational affirmations. Also, sometimes he presumes the contemplation of an affair that entails disbelief to be disbelief. That is, he presumes the activity and analysis of the power of reflection in the form of understanding the causes of deviation and its impartial judgment to contradict the faith. So, he fears these presumptions resulting from satanic inculcations and says, Woe to me! My heart has spoiled. My credence is damaged. 
because such states are mostly without volution and he cannot fix them with his partial volution, he falls into despair. The salve for this wound is this. Now, this is um, probably an even more important kind of obsessive thought because it concerns what we believe rather than uh, what we do. Faith comes first. Millions of deeds without faith amounts to zero. A little deed with faith amounts to something. So faith comes first, and if there's a doubt out there that endangers the faith, you know, we need to know how to deal with that. Sometimes the helpless, obsessive person confuses imagination with reasoning. Something came to the imagination, he thinks he, he confuses this to be what the intellect is doing and passing judgment. That is, he supposes a doubt that enters the imagination to have entered the intellect and presumes his credence to be damaged, presumes his uh, credence, like his creed, what he believes in, to be damaged. It is not. It is not, but he presumes that to be the case. Right? He's, he, he's like, oh, I'm done. I lost my faith. No, wait a second. We'll deal with it. Also, sometimes he presumes a supposed doubt to be dubiousness that is harmful to the faith. Right? There's a supposed doubt, there's a supposition of doubt, but he thinks that this is a kind of dubiousness that is harmful to the faith. Also, sometimes he presumes a doubt that he conceptualizes to have entered among rational affirmations. So, he conceptualizes a doubt he, he uh, conceives it as uh, in his mind, right? And th th without passing judgment, but he confuses things and, and, and presumes that it has entered among rational affirmations, that he has, his mind has affirmed it. Also, sometimes he presumes the contemplation of an affair that entails disbelief to be disbelief. So and so, uh, said God does not exist, Kasha, God protect. Right? So he thinks about, he contemplates somebody saying, Hasha, God does not exist. He's just contemplating this. He is not, he, he, he's not endorsing it. He's not affirming it, right? But because he's so uh, scrupulous and maybe overly scrupulous, right? He presumes that contemplation uh, to be disbelief. That is, he presumes the activity and analysis of the power of reflection in the form of understanding the causes of deviation and its impartial judgment. So the power of reflection, we have a power of faculty of reflection, we think. Right? So he confuses the activity of this faculty uh, to to understand the causes of deviation right so and so believes such and you're puzzled like how can that person believe in this nonsense you know so and so believes that um, nature made the birds fly that way like what is nature how can this person believe that right um so you you you have to reflect upon this you have a faculty you have a you have the power to reflect upon things so he thinks about this he reflects upon this right 
but the overly scrupulous obsessive person would presume that thinking about this reflecting upon this in and of itself is deviation and it's impartial judgment right it's you know it's it says okay the the the mind says okay let's look into this matter is that true or is that false false right and if it is a it that in if that intellect is truly intellect it will know that this is false right but at you know first you have to take an impartial look uh, to the situation so but the, the, the but this person it presumes an impartial uh, judgment impartial process of judging to contradict the faith so he fears he fears these presumptions resulting from satanic inculcations right at the at the source of it the root of it all of these have satanic origins but sometimes you know, we, we, we need to process that information in order to reach truth, in order to affirm what is true. We need to separate falsehood from, uh, from truth. And in order to separate falsehood from truth, we need to have an understanding of what that falsehood is about. So he fears these presumptions resulting from satanic inculcations and says, Woe to me! My heart has spoiled, my credence is damaged. Because such states are mostly without volition. So the other thing is, these states, uh, that conception, that imagination, like we talked about this before. If I were to tell you, don't think, don't think about uh, chocolate ice cream, you immediately start thinking about chocolate ice cream. So this is not volitional. This is not intentional. This is not something that you are doing by choice. Because such states are mostly without volition and he cannot fix them with his partial volition it is not volitional therefore you cannot fix it with your volition you have some volition but you use it and it doesn't work because it is not volitional right but unfortunately the person who does not know all of these who does not know the understand the uh, quiddity reality nature uh, functioning of these obsessive thoughts falls into despair and that's worse Right? So the, the salve for this wound, that's also a wound, and the salve for this wound is this. Tahayyülü küfür küfür olmadığı gibi, tevehümü küfür dahi küfür değildir. Tasavvuru dalalet dalalet olmadığı gibi, tefekkürü dalalet dahi dalalet değildir. Çünkü hem tahayyül, hem tevehüm, hem tasavvur, hem tefekkür, tasdik-i akliden ve izanı kalbiden ayrıdırlar, başkadırlar. Onlar bir derece serbesttirler. Cüz-ü ihtiyariyeyi pek dinlemiyorlar. Teklifi dini altına çok giremiyorlar. Tasdik ve izan öyle değiller. Bir mizana tabidirler. As imagining disbelief is not disbelief, so is the presumption of disbelief not disbelief. As conceptualizing deviation is not deviation, so is contemplating deviation not deviation. For imagination, supposition, conceptualization and contemplation are all different from and something other than rational affirmation and the heart's internalization those are independent to a degree they do not listen to partial volition much they cannot be included in religious accountability affirmation and credence are not like that they are subject to a scale so imagination uh, presumption conceptualization and contemplation 
the imagination of disbelief, the presumption of disbelief, the conceptualization of disbelief, and the contemplation of disbelief are different from and other than rational affirmation, saying that this is it, and the heart's internalization, having that sink into the heart. Right? Contemplation is contemplation. You, you, you think about it, maybe for a purpose. And if that purpose is good, you may even be earning rewards for this. Presumption is 50-50, um, right? You might do this because you are in a position to judge and your uh, the, the validity of your judgment would depend on your impartiality. Therefore, you start from impartial position and say, okay, 50-50. Uh, conceptualization is just making an, making a mental image of that. And imagination is making an imaginary Im visual image of that in the imagination, right? So these are not uh, passing judgment. These therefore are not rational affirmation and they do not affect the heart. There are conditions for this, but in, at the basic level, at the basic uh, form, uh, they do not affect the heart. They are not, they do not lead to the internalization of the matter by the heart. You first need to pass judgment, affirm it with the intellect, and then the heart will take over, and then, you know, maybe there will be internalization. But if you did not pass judgment, if you do not affirm what you have conceptualized, imagined, presumed, or uh, contemplated, you are fine. Those faculties, uh, presumption, contemplation, imagination, conceptualization. Those faculties are independent to a degree. If I tell you don't think of chocolate ice cream, you think of chocolate ice cream. They do not listen to partial volution much. Now, there may be a level of control that you can exert on it, but there will always be some you know, um, open, open holes. They cannot be included in religious accountability and therefore they, you are not accountable for that. Affirmation and credence, however, are not like that. They, they, those are two. Those are other. Those are other things. Affirmation is you say this is true. Credence is uh, it becomes your creed. They are subject to a scale. So we have to have a scale for affirmation and credence. Your if your scale is accurate, you affirm or you deny. And when you affirm, you affirm what is true, you, you deny what is um, false, right? Those are subject to a scale. There's a scale for them. There is no scale for imagination, right? There is no true or false for imagination. There is no true or false for contemplation. There is no beautiful or ugly for, um, uh, for, for supposition. These are different kinds of mental activity. Hem tahayyul tevehüm, tasavvur, tefekkür. Nasıl ki tasdik ve izan değiller, öyle de şüphe ve tereddüt sayılmazlar. Fakat eğer lüzumsuz tekrar ede ede müstekar bir hale gelse, o vakit hakiki bir nevi şüphe ondan tevellüt edebilir. Moreover, as imagination, supposition, conceptualization and contemplation are not affirmation or credence, so can they not be considered doubt or hesitation. So you are not, it's not affirmation, it's not credence, therefore it's not doubt, it's not hesitation. You, uh, when you think of somebody who does not believe in God, 
right this is not your doubt about not believing in god you are only con contemplating uh, the state of this person however if they gain constancy due to unnecessary repetition then a real doubt can be born out of this so we are not saying that this is completely harmless either imagination supposition conceptualization contemplation I mean, your heart inclines to things that you are preoccupied so it is not good to think about these you know nonsensical ugly uh, false things all the time either you want to feed to your heart and feed to your intellect pure good halal uh, permissible uh, ideas images concepts so yes imagining this belief conceptualizing this belief supposing this belief contemplating this belief these are not affirmation these are not cre uh, credence they do not cast they, they they do not indicate doubt in your heart they do not indicate hesitation in your mind but still don't don't occupy yourself with them all the time either so don't take take this from uh you know one extreme to another extreme because if they gain constancy due to unnecessary repetition then a real doubt can be born out of this this is important especially and it will come especially for people who think that they are out there debating debating um non-muslims or uh, open sinners and deniers and so on and so forth hoping or assuming that they are going to be able to cure their heart and do something do this or do that forgetting what this is doing to their own hearts right so that constant state of debating with with the uh, disbeliever etc that's not a good place to be that's not what you want to do right setting a beautiful example is how we affect other people debating um right? very rarely you will find somebody who is truly after truth and when presented with truth uh, they will shift their position but that's very rare more often while well, this person is does not believe in, in in the first place and there must be some sicknesses in his heart that have led to this this state of disbelief uh, arrogance is one of them vainglory is another and fear of things another uh, and habit is another and so on and so forth you are going to be scratching all those wounds by inviting people to a debate and contradicting them and causing them to uh, perhaps even double down on their position right so to, to, as a side note this is something that we need to think uh, more carefully more um, diligently uh, we, we, while thinking that we are doing good we, we, we might be hurting ourselves hem bir tarafane muhakeme namıyla veya insaf namına deyip şıkkı muhalifi iltizam ede ede ta öyle bir hale gelir ki ihtiyarsız tarafı muhalifi iltizam eder. Ona vacip olan hakkın iltizamı kırılır. O da tehlikeye düşer. Hasmın veya şeytanın bir vekili fuzulisi olacak bir halet zihninde takarrur eder. Also, by repeatedly complying with the complying with the opposing option in the name of impartial judgment and fairness the intellect may attain such a state that it involuntarily complies with the opposing side 
compliance with the truth that is obligatory on a person shatters. One falls into danger. A state that becomes an intrusive deputy of the opponent or of Satan becomes established in his mind. SubhanAllah. Also, by repeatedly complying with the opposing, op opposing option in the name of... So, we have a case, we have a you know, question that is open to debate. It is either this or that. Right? Now, the truth is that it is this. Uh, it is you know, what I have on, the, in this, on this hand. The, the, the falsehood is what I have on this hand. And in the heart of my heart, in, the, in my mind, I know that uh, what's on the right hand, what's in the right hand is true. But I want to look impartial. So I say, okay, let's assume that what you uh, are suggesting is true. And I comply with what what that entails. Okay. Now, this this starts the problem, right? Because um, by repeating this again and again and again and again, right, my intellect may attain such a state that it involuntarily complies with the opposing side. As soon as a case is presented to you, you are so concerned excessively concerned you are excessively concerned about being right uh, so sorry uh, being uh, impartial and fair that in the name of impartiality and fairness you actually adopt the other side's opinion this is a sickness it happens and as a result of it we may lose um, our firm grounding in, in our creed, in, in faith. Compliance with the truth that is obligatory on a person, right? That firm grounding in faith, in truth, is obligatory on us. It shatters. We lose the strength of our faith. One falls into danger. A state that becomes an intrusive deputy of the opponent or of Satan becomes established in his mind. Now we start with obsessive thoughts and this does not contradict what we said before because the good thing to do is not, not complying with the opposing view either. The good thing to do, the right thing to do is not, um, not, uh, is not, not being impartial or, or uh, not uh, giving the benefit of the doubt for the opposing view or to falsehood, right? The good thing to do is not this either. The good thing to do, the right thing to do is to turn away and go away, Don't, not to deal with this whole thing. Not, not to pick up the phone, not to open the door. That is the right thing to do. Şu nevi vesveselin en mühimi budur ki vesveseli adam imkanı zati ile imkanı zihniyi birbirisiyle birbiriyle iltibas eder. Yani bir şeyi zatında mümkün görse o şeyi zihnen dahi mümkün ve aklen meşkuk tevehüm eder. Halbuki ilmi kelamın kaidelerindendir ki imkanı zati ise yakini ilmiye münafi değil ve zarureti zihniyeye zıddiyeti yoktur. Mesela şu dakikada Karadeniz'in yere batması zatında mümkündür. Ve o imkanı zati ile muhtemeldir. Halbuki yakinen o denizin yerinde olduğuna, olduğunu hükmediyoruz. Şüphesiz biliyoruz. 
Ve o ihtimali imkani ve o imkanı zati bize şek vermez. Bir şüphe getirmez. Yakınımızı bozmaz. Mesela şu güneş zatında mümkündür ki bütün grubet, bugün grup etmesin veya yarın tulu etmesin. Halbuki bu imkan yakınımıza zarar vermez, şüphe getirmez. The most significant type of these obsessive thoughts is this. The, the obsessive thoughts that uh, relate to what we believe. The obsessive person confuses entitative possibility with mental possibility. That is, if something appears to be possible in itself, he supposes it to be mentally possible and rationally dubious as well. However, it is among the principles of the science of Kalam, theology, that entitative possibility does not eliminate certainty of knowledge or contradict mental necessity. For example, it is possible for the Black Sea to sink into the earth at this very moment. This is possible in itself. And it is within the realm of likelihood with regard to entitative possibility. However, we judge with certainty and know without a doubt that that C is in its place. That likelihood of possibility and entitative possibility does not give dubiousness to us. It does not cause doubt and it does not spoil our certainty. For example, it is possible in itself for this sun not to set today or rise tomorrow. However, this possibility does not harm our certainty, nor does it cause doubt. Okay, so we are dealing with a possibility in external reality that something is possible in and of itself. We are not talking about uh, probability, right? How probable is it that the Black Sea or the Atlantic Ocean or whatever will sink into the earth within an hour? Uh, you know, based on all the information that we have, it is not very likely. It is not very possible, right? So we, we will call this entitative possibility. Possibility that concerns the entity of that thing. The possibility that concerns the thing itself. The thing in itself. Now, that's one thing. The... Uh, mental judgment that we pass about this possibility that is the mental possibility that we attribute the, the, the, the uh, likelihood or probability that we attribute to the, this thing in our minds that's another thing so conceptualizing something is about entitative possibility right is it possible for the sun to explode and uh, turn into a um, black hole Yes, it is possible. It is possible in itself. But in my mind, do I see it possible that the sun is going to turn into a black hole, dark hole, uh, within five minutes from now? No. I have a level of certainty and I base my actions on the certainty that the sun is going to continue to shine uh, in, within five minutes from now. I have not seen the signs of it turning into a black hole. I have certainty. I have not heard, seen, been informed about enough material, enough information to give me any level of certainty to, to, to think that the Black Sea has sunk 
right now? No. No. That it is possible entitatively in and of itself. Uh, that something is within the realm of possibility. Maybe we can put it that way too. Does not mean that I'm going to change my opinion about that right now. So if I conceptualize, imagine, uh, suppose, uh, presume, or, or um, contemplate the Black Sea sinking, that does not mean that I am giving any credence to it. That does not mean that I am considering it mentally possible. Right? These are different things. Therefore, this possibility that entitative possibility does not harm our certainty, nor does it cause doubt. İşte bunun gibi. Mesela hakaik imaniyeden olan hayatı dünyeviyenin grubuna ve hayat uhreviyenin tuluğuna imkanı zati cihetinde gelen vehimler yakini imaniye zarar vermez. Hem la ibrate lil ihtimalil gayrin nashi anin delil. Yani bir delilden neşet etmeyen bir ihtimalin hiç ehemmiyeti yoktur olan kaideyi meşhure hem usulü din hem usulü fıkhın kaideyi mukareresindendir. So, likewise, for example, so we gave two examples that black sea may sink, that the sun may not rise tomorrow. Another example, but now it is going to be about uh, reality. It's about uh, the, the hereafter and realities of faith. These suppositions arising from the side of entitative possibility, so with, from the point of view of entitative possibility, about the setting of worldly life, that this life will come to an end, and the rising of the life of the hereafter, there will be life after uh, death, which are among the truths of faith, do not harm the certainty of faith. Right? So suppositions about the entitative possibility. Is it possible that the world uh, never comes to an end, if God wills, right? That's possible. Is it possible that God will not create uh, the hereafter, if he wills? He won't. It is possible in, in and of itself. It is possible. Now, um, God says that he will create it, therefore he will create it, right? But would we be in a position to say but you said this why did you, why didn't you do that like you say you said you will create it hereafter why won't you create it we won't be there right so god is cannot be held accountable and therefore it is possible that if he will so he doesn't create so this is entitative possibility the suppositions arising from the side of entitative possibility about the setting of the worldly life and the rising of the life of the hereafter, which are among the truths of faith, do not harm the certainty of faith. Now, this needs to be taken with the caveat that we talked about before. We are not going to go out there and start supposing these things, right? But remember, these obsessive thoughts are not things that we do. Satan casts them into our heart, into our minds. Sometimes it's, we don't even know where it came from. Sometimes you turn the TV on and you watch a documentary and that's all it is about. You watch a movie and that's all it is about. You talk to a friend at, at, at school, at high school or college or wherever 
that's all it's about that's all you are hearing so these are coming these are coming to us these are not things that we are doing but they are happening to us and they they they happen all the time so it's better to know how to deal with them right also the famous principle of la ibrata lil ihtimalil ghayrin nashil anindalil right um, that is a likelihood that does not originate from an indication has no significance is there an indication that God will not create the hereafter no there is no indication about it every indication that we have in the cosmos in the creation and in the uh, divine message and in ourselves points to the reality that God will create hereafter there is no indication whatsoever a likelihood that does not originate from an indication has no significance so this is a principle and this is among the established rules of both the methodology of religion and the methodology of jurisprudence methodology of religion that's uh, the, the methodology by which we learn about the, uh, the, the the main tenets of our religion this is an established principle if there is no indication mere likelihood right that, that, that, that has no significance we just ignore it we just turn away from it right and this is how we deal with obsessive thoughts we just turn away from it we just don't pick up the phone we just don't open the door all right these were the um types of obsessive thought that Ustad Nursi uh, taught us uh, and they, they, these are the, you know, the the more important ones these are the more uh, troubling ones and we should once again know their nature know uh, how they function and therefore take measures accordingly and and the measure that needs to be taken is once again turn away from them we will conclude with a question eğer desen Bu derece müminlere muzır ve müziç olan vesvese ne hikmete binaen bize bela olmuş. If you say, why do these obsessive thoughts, which are harmful and vexing to the believers to a degree, trouble us? Right. So it's, if they are so bad, why? What's the point of? What's the wisdom rather? What's the wisdom in um, making them a part of our life lives? What's the wisdom in making them trouble us as believers? Al-Cevap İfrata varmamak hem galebe çalmamak şartıyla aslı vesvese teyakkuza sebeptir. Tahariye daidir. Ciddiyete vesiledir. Lakaytlığı atar. Tehavünü def eder. Onun için hakimi mutlak şu dar imtihanda, şu meydanı müsabakada bize bir kamçıyı teşvik olarak vesveseyi şeytanın eline vermiş. Beşerin başına vuruyor. Şayet ziyade incitse Hakimi rahime şekva etmeli. Euzu billahi mineşşeytanir racim demeli. Answer. Provided that it does not reach the level of excess and triumph over a person and we learned how to prevent it from reaching a level of excess and triumphing over us, overcoming us. Pro provided that it does not reach the level of excess and overcome a person, the original obsessive thoughts cause original obsessive thought meaning when it just comes right because we blow it into a balloon we make it bigger than it is 
right? When it just comes, it is a tiny thing. And if we turn away, it, it does not affect us. The original obsessive thoughts cause vigilance. They invite investigation and are a means for seriousness. They, th they throw, out, throw out indifference and chase away carefree free disregard. It is due to this that in this abode of testing and the arena of competition, the absolute all-wise has given obsessive thoughts to Satan's hands as a whip of encouragement. He, Satan, hits on the human being's heads. If it hurts too much, one should complain to the all-wise mercy giver and say, I take refuge with God from the stoned, accursed Satan. So I, I, I think this is clear, right? Uh, the, this is the world of, this is the abode of testing and trial. And testing has to put you to test. Right? Testing has to put you to test. And you cannot pass the test in a state of slumber and disregard and so on and so forth. You need alertness. These obsessive thoughts, when they first come, not when we blow them. When we blow them into balloons, then they start to affect us. But when they first come, they help us to keep vigilance and they invite our art to investigation. Perhaps there was something in there. Uh, you, know, you look at something, you look out the window to the tree. And in that tree or on that tree, there is the opportunity for you to observe the manifestation of dozens of divine names. And, um, and, and, and as a result, go deeper in your faith. Establish a deeper connection with your uh, Lord. But with heedlessness, you just look and turn away. You just pass by. You don't even notice the tree. But then there comes a, a, uh, an obsessive thought about the tree that bothers you, that... Uh, irritates your sensitivities about your faith now you need to stop and think you need to be alert you need to recognize that tree is there you need to give it some thought and you, you need to investigate the matter and you need to through that investigation reach certainty truth and certainty you need to take it seriously right so as a result this, this these obsessive thoughts in their original form they throw out indifference and chase away carefree disregard. We are not in this world to, to move about with carefree disregard. No, we are in this world to notice what's going on and, and, and act accordingly. It is due to this that... So this is out of God's mercy for us too because He wants to uh, alert us and, and elevate our rank, inshallah, in His sight. He, want, he is calling us to Himself. He's asking us questions, and by answering those questions, we learn more about reality. So, because of this, that this weapon, this, uh, this whip, is given to Satan, but it is given to him, it does not know what, what good it is doing. Right? So, in this sense, there is good in the creation of evil too, uh, because it is... It, it, it is helping us unfold, bring out our uh, potentials, higher potentials. 
it is helping us rise in our ranks, ascend to levels of um, the closeness to the divine, divine closeness, right? So it is given to Satan as a whip of encouragement and hits on the human being's head. Those who do not recognize the reality of the situation, those who do not uh, listen to the divine message, the divine warnings, the prophets, uh, wasalam, uh, those, those who call to truth, those who do not have sincerity in their hearts, those who cannot overcome the vainglorious lower soul, right? They lose. Um, that, that's, the, the, that's the point of the test. There has to be right answers. There has to be uh, wrong answers. And there has to be consequences for, for, uh, you know, for us to take the test seriously. But inshallah, we have the tools to deal with the situation. We have the tools to, to turn something that appears to be disadvantageous to our advantage. Inshallah. And, and if it hurts too much, and for some people it may hurt too much, right? The solution for that is also clear. The Prophet ﷺ taught this to us, and it is a it is a uh, beautiful weapon and means of salvation, and that is taking refuge with God by saying, We take refuge with God from the stoned Satan. So may we um, maybe intellectually understand the matters of this treatise, this station, the obsessive thoughts, uh, but maybe also develop the skills to recognize obsessive thoughts when those obsessive thoughts come to us. And maybe also develop the skills to uh, turn away from them uh, as soon as they come so that they, they serve the good function that they are uh, meant for, uh, the good function of helping us be alert and vigilant and, uh, and, and, and serious and so on and so forth. And, and, and may they leave us there without turning into um, balloons that um, bother our minds and hearts and uh, conscience and so on and so forth. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa akhirat dawahum an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha salawatullahi wa